everyone to our next nest podcast the one that caters to empty nesters and retired couples you know if you can recall a world where all of our phones were connected to a wall then join with us this podcast is for you we talk mostly to and about members of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints but all of our friends are welcome to listen in as well i'm rob wakefield i'm a host of this podcast and i teach communications at Brigham Young University. With me today is my lovely co-host and sister supreme, Irene Hill. <laughs> Welcome, Irene. Thanks. <laughs> you know, I haven't had a chance to ask you. It's been a week since uh, Thanksgiving. How Did you enjoy it? What did you do? I loved it. I just cooked food. I actually ordered some food out this year, which was like the best idea ever. And I love Thanksgiving. It's all about family and food, and it was great. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, you know, we did exactly the same thing. We ordered food for the first time ever. I guess you get to that age where it just is so much easier to do it that way. But Clyde and I, my wife and I, actually drove to and from Dallas four days on the road. It reminded me of the old, I'm an old rock junkie, you know, and it reminded me of the song, Me and You and the Dog Named Boo, because <laughs> we had our dog in the back of the truck with us and off we went and it was a lot of fun. So anyway, on with our topic for today and we're excited about it. This is one that should be especially interesting to all of you empty nesters and next nesters who worry about what is what we sometimes call our virtual society. With us today is Dr. Scott Church, a professor here in the School of Communications at BYU. Scott does much of his great work actually right across the hall from my office, as a matter of fact. And uh, welcome, Scott. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Okay, good to have you here. We're excited about it. Thanks for joining with us. How about them Cougs? Uh, they're good. They're good. <laughs> they're struggling a little bit, but they're yeah, good. Uh, they are. I guess if you're talking about the Houston Cougs, right? They're, yeah. they're, they are pretty good. So yeah. Anyway, we all just went through a, a sad weekend <laughs> with the Cougs. Another one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, too many. I'm afraid. Well, for several years now, Scott has been researching this vital topic of social media. And yes, he can tell you all about how to use social media. But his research centers on what social media is doing to us as individuals and as a society. And uh, he looks at the impacts of social media, and particularly on that generation that uh, we teach here at BYU, the millennials, uh, your, uh, your kids out there, the you listeners, it's your kids and grandkids. And those impacts are what we want to focus on today. So get us started, Scott. Uh, tell us a little about yourself and what brought you to these hallowed halls of academe. Yeah, well, uh, my name's Scott Church, as as you said, and uh, I have been teaching at BYU for three years now, full time. Uh, I've been actually teaching and researching about media now for twelve years, and uh, I I love being at BYU. It's an excellent institution, and and it's uh, it's it's been fascinating to to try to study social media and that culture as it continues to develop around us. Okay, and as I recall, before you came here, you were at Creighton University? No, no, I was uh, actually at, I, well, I got my PhD from University of Nebraska, so okay, not, not far from there. Right. 
It was Nebraska somewhere. Yeah. It was Cornhuskers. Did you do your research on media there? Is that how you've been involved so long? I did, yeah. I, I started researching media back in my master's program um, okay. back at Southern Utah University. And, and, uh, and that's actually how I began is... Uh, to where I'm at now, I, I ended up at Southern Utah University for my master's degree, and kind of serendipitously, they offered me a teaching job, and I had just been graduated not long. I had never even anticipated teaching or researching, but uh, a few days before the semester began, they said, can you teach our intro class, and here's mm-hmm. all the notes, and so I started teaching, and that same semester, I took a class, and my professor said, I think you're a good writer. Do you want to start helping me research? And and so I did. And it was at that at that point that I realized that I really wanted to not only be a professor someday and research full time, but 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 teach and and uh, look at the things that fascinated me. And and ever since, it's just been media. Hmm. That's great. Very good. Uh, so while everyone else was learning how to use social media. What kind of a thing then enticed you to start looking at the impacts of social media as opposed to usage? I know you look at usage as well, but what about those impacts? Yeah, well, I I had I just happened to when I needed to write my thesis, uh, there was this new invention at the time called YouTube, mm-hmm. and so I started. I chose that to be my topic for my thesis, and I was looking at how it impacted an audience who received their political messages. Through, through YouTube. At the time, it was the 2008 presidential election, and I started uh, researching it for that. Um, but as I continued, and then and then a few years later, I started researching Facebook and um, uh, was interested to see how uh, people were interacting there on, on Facebook. So that led me uh, to, to research that, and that's a relatively recent development. It's only been just about the last 10 years or so that, that Facebook has really gotten to be so uh such a massive presence in our society and uh and then when i started my job at byu um teaching the introductory class which is mass communication and society i also started teaching uh popular culture and media and so teaching those classes it just made me really interested in the topic uh if anything just to teach it but that obviously led into my research as well just to to look at how that interaction between students and their media and how it impacted them. Yeah, it's hard to believe. I taught that mass uh, intro to mass comm class too early on when I was here. And I barely even touched on social media because Facebook is 11 years old. You know, it's hard to believe that in, uh, at least from our perspective, from our generation, in just 11 short years here, this huge uh, impact is upon us. And you know, since uh, the late 1990s, we've been hearing about the Internet. And then all of a sudden, uh, again, about a decade ago, this conversation shifted to social media. I, I suspect that there might be some people out there who still don't quite even understand the difference between the Internet and social media. So just you know, briefly for those of us who live in a cave, you know, uh, what is that? <laughs> well, it's it's okay. It's okay if you feel that way because it's actually hard to to distinguish the two nowadays. Um, just because for many, their internet experience is also so wrapped up in their social media experience that they're one and the same. But technically, if you want to get into the details, you know, when the internet started developing, you know, two decades ago, people used it as a type of uh, 
information. You know, people used the internet back then as if it were a library, and they would go on there, and information would be pushed at them from their sources, from their web pages they visited. And that was basically the extent of their internet experience was just finding information online. But roughly about 2004, that's when uh, a new era of internet started that some scholars have called Web Mm 2.0. And it was a change in the internet because it it shifted to no longer was the going online an experience about having information pushed at you, but it became an experience of pulling information, of going to different sites, of customizing your internet experience. And then not coincidentally, within a few years of that time, people started getting involved in, uh, in, when we talk about social media, we generally are speaking more about social networks, mm-hmm. um, where you create connections with your friends um, on these websites, and uh, you, you cultivate relationships, you communicate with each other, you share information with each other. And so roughly speaking, social media is more about personal interactions, whereas the internet, uh, you could say, is still kind of like you know, going on Google and and trying to find information, just like just like Web 1.0. Yeah, it's kind of like the electronic bulletin board, right? Kind of a thing, right? right? Where did it start? You talked about YouTube. Is that is that kind of where it started, or was it? Well, that was actually I think that was part of it because it was it was 2004 it started Web 2.0, and part of that was because there was a new website called Blogger.com or Blogspot. And so people suddenly started using that uh, to, you know, they would have their own blogs and they'd say, well, what do I even talk about? I had my own. I didn't know what to talk about. Mm -hmm. But they would start sharing information about themselves with their readers. And then within a year after that, YouTube was launched in 2005. And, uh, And it just became a way for people started looking at the Internet as a new medium for sharing with others. It was something that it was kind of a novel idea, I think, that people hadn't really used it for before that point. I can't believe it's not been longer than that. I mean, it it has just changed our world dramatically. It changed my family life. It changed the way I raised my children. And 2005, my oldest child was graduating from high school. I mean, it's just crazy to think it's been no longer than that. Me too. Because it feels like it's been, you know, I think we get with our technologies, we often think, wow, what what could I ever do without this? Mm -hmm. And we realize, well, we've only... (laughs) We did it forever before, just about a decade ago, you know, 13 years ago. And so it's hard to believe that it's, it's not been that long. But, but it's incredible how, how widespread YouTube's popularity is now. I, there's recent research that says that YouTube is the second most popular search engine uh, in the world behind wow. Google. Wow. Uh, that's just where people go to look up stuff. Right. And they like visual. They like video. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that relates also to that it, it, it now receives more people watching it uh, between the ages of 18 and 34 than any cable TV network. That's how That's popular amazing. it is. That's crazy. I get, I get kind of uh, stressed when I hear YouTube. I, I mean, interesting you say that because literally maybe once a year I go to YouTube for something that I hear is out there. So it has a really negative connotation for me for some reason, even more so than some of the other social media sites. I don't know why, but... You know, wh- why is it that we're so negative as in our, maybe in our generation, mm-hmm. about social media? Well, I mean, there's good reasons. There's good reasons to be, maybe maybe I won't say be negative, but, but being cautious is, is, is a good, uh, good goal to have with social media because people obviously take advantage of social media and try to exploit others. And 
Um, the same, you know, there's so many scams over social media, just as there were with older media as well. But uh, there's also other more pressing concerns about social media beyond that, which is that, frankly, spending a lot of time on social media makes, and this is supported by evidence, makes people more depressed, makes people more lonely. Mm-hmm. And so there is there's some justification for people who tend to feel a little squeamish about spending too much time on social media. I saw a, uh, a an article uh, several months ago that looked at research of millennials, for example, and that research, it was several articles actually, showed pretty clearly that the millennial generation is by far the most anx- anxiety-induced and depressed generation ever recorded by far. Uh, it did not talk about social media, but uh, I would imagine certainly that social media would have some impact on that, right? I think I think so. Uh, the millennials and then even the the generation younger than them, which I don't know the official word for. Sometimes people call them the iGen because they've really grown up with in the age of the iPhone. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what's interesting is that uh, um, some research about about these younger generations is that they are technically actually the safest generations uh, in, in in American history because they spend all their time in their rooms on their phones. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's mm. there's it's good that they're avoiding being out in dangerous situations, but at the same time, there's some peril in just that that being isolated and only having those digital relationships. It almost seems to be sometimes a perfect storm because you've got that uh, phenomenon going on with mm-hmm. them all in their rooms. At the same time, we have a society where, if you will, the legal system has created this bunch of safe zones, if you will. We no longer have merry-go-rounds, which all of us grew up with and remembered so well. And it seems like so often uh, everything is created to keep kids in this safe bubble, mm-hmm. as it were. And so these things are kind of working together. So it's easy to see why that research would show this as a very safe, if you will, generation. I think so. And I think that also goes back to address your earlier mention about the anxiety, just how anxious um, younger generations are today. Um, there's there's some certainly some impact of high expectations of uh, required of them but part of it too is when you're spending a lot of time on social media there's a real pressure to uh, present yourself in a certain way Mm. um, which let's be honest um, is to be as perfect as possible on social media and so when you are doing your real world interactions away from your devices you still feel that sort of pressure to always perform and to look and appear and act perfectly. Mm -hmm. And so I think that seems intuitive that that's leading to those increased anxiety issues. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm fascinated by your topic. I'm really curious to know what kind of research you're involved with. Is it, um, are you looking at the effects of time spent by certain age groups or what is your can you can I ask that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I a lot of this it's not personal research that I'm conducting. It's it's research that I'm reading and teaching in mm. the classroom. Mm-hmm. So I have spent um, some time recently looking at just the the sheer amount of time people are spending on their devices and and uh, how how addicted they are um, mm-hmm. to their devices. Speaking in terms of my personal research, I have done some recent research on this. It's it's similar. Uh, to this, um, but it's actually on the the phenomenon of trolling 
online. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with that, the trolling is basically acting uncivilly when you're online, being unkind or, or mean uh, to others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in this research, we're, um, we're looking at social media sites and seeing how people, why, maybe, maybe not necessarily why, but how they're rude to others. Um, does the technology bring that out of them? And then also we're looking at bystanders uh, as well. Uh, a colleague, uh, Dr. Bru- Pamela Brubaker and I in, in our department have been conducting this research. We're also seeing bystanders who, who don't step in. They don't try to stop it in these interactions. In fact, some of them derive pleasure from it, from, mm-hmm. from watching these, these interactions between people fighting. And it becomes kind of a, an entertaining experience, and so they don't step in and stop it. Isn't there another thing going on here? It seems like I've heard of affirmation bias. So uh, somebody's out there doing things which, uh, if you will, even from our perspective as members of the church, they look like things that really are not conducive to their own well-being. And uh, they're showing these kinds of things they're doing, like they might be showing even that they're drinking or that they're doing some of these kinds of things. And rather than having somebody say, uh, have you thought about what you're doing or anything like that? It's all, hey, you go, you know, this is wonderful and all this kind of stuff, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of, to me, would seem like it, it hurts people really having a realistic view of their own lives. Is that something that's going on? Or? Yeah, it is. And um, I think that uh, in some ways it just that becomes people's behavior because it just feels like the appropriate way to act when using those technologies. There's also a phenomenon that I've been studying, um, not just about trolling, but just how we interact on online and, and it's a phenomenon called de-individuation. And if, 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 yeah, I know it's a big (laughs) word, but if you look at it and you break it down, Mm. it means people are losing their identities as individuals when they go online and they tend to act almost in a mob mentality um, where they act like the others. Um, they, they, they don't express or, or act uh, in, the, in a way befitting of their character or their personalities like they would in real life, but they kind of adopt uh, this loss of individuality in their mm-hmm. online interactions. Okay, can I just ask a question? Because I spend a lot of time thinking about this. I have um, six children, and I literally believe that the first four were kind of raised without the whole impact of smartphones, if you if you will. And my last two definitely had that impact. And, and I see a difference. I, um, it's been a real concern to me. Um, how do we as parents, so I feel like when it started, we were blindsided. We didn't, you know, we were, I was taught as a mother, keep the computers in a main area so you can see what your kids are doing, right? Mm -hmm. Then this concept of, um, mom, I've got to have this iPhone because, I mean, this is what it was actually. I'm going off to a semester abroad. I won't be able to call you and contact you Mm -hmm. if I don't have this iPhone. So I handed one to my son. You know, we, we went, we bought one. The, literally, the moment I handed it to him, I snatched it back. It was like this, this absolute fear of mm-hmm. giving this to him because literally I'm handing him the computer. No longer is it in my main area of my house. It's in his pocket, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like um, we kind of just did this blindly. Now I sense that there is 
more research out there. People are more, parents are more familiar with it. They're more willing to put blocks on or, or to, you know, really supervise our kids. But yet kids are getting them younger and younger and younger, which really alarms me. Mm-hmm. What, as parents, what direction is there out there? As grandparents, where we see our our little ones being entertained by smartphones, which I understand. I put my kids in front of the TV sometime, right? This is just the newer version of that. Mm-hmm. What kind of um, information is out there that can guide us, that can help us? Yeah, well, I, in terms of information, I would just say be strong. That would be my advice to, to parents and to grandparents because peer pressure is real. And uh, our our kids and, and grandkids as well, they are pressured by their peers to, to have phones. Um, and there is a convenience factor there to be able to be in touch with people, but but there is a peer pressure there as well. Um, and then there's also, uh, sometimes it's kind of negative, but there's another term, pester power, that the, that the kids pester the parents and say, I mm-hmm. need these phones mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, please, please give it give it to me right now. So there needs to be boundaries set. Um, there are other alternatives. There are certainly, uh, there are still, believe it or not, there are still flip phones out there. That, go uh, flip phones. <laughs> Don't ever go away. <laughs> Where they're, they're safe. They've got that connection. There are watches, uh, watches that have GPS and communication capabilities that don't allow access to the internet. Mm-hmm. And so there are ways that that can be done without giving the keys to the car to the kid basically so to speak yes um where they can be be taken in by by those dangers i've actually heard that uh, flip phones are coming back oh really i hadn't i hadn't heard that but i know they're still out there they're making a slight comeback specifically for these reasons Mm -hmm. that parents are looking at what's happening to their kids and they're saying wait a minute we'll give them giving them way way too much uh, control over their lives and too much access to things that are harmful to them and they don't really have the emotional um, capability if you will the the adult type of capability of really dealing with it so they're mm-hmm. replacing their iPhones or their smartphones with flip phones that's probably a good thing um, just to just to be able to uh, we don't need to multitask as much as we multitask right now and and uh, I think that that could be a positive thing to remember that. Um, I know that sometimes the, those of us who are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints would like to think that to some extent our kids are somewhat sheltered from this stuff going on. And yet there's no question that when you give them a phone, they have access to everything else. And, and I, I know everything, all the other influences of the world, as it were, and uh, I, I understand that there are certainly issues that the church is concerned about, like a lot of a lot more missionaries returning early, um, divorce increasing among young couples. Yeah, you know, you've been married in the temple and those kinds of things. Uh, to my knowledge, there really hasn't been any research done on the impacts of social media specifically to LDS populations. What can you tell us about that, even if it's anecdotal? You know, what, what do you think about the church and, and, and what we have to deal with when it comes to social media? Yeah, well, the church is, uh, it's been interesting to see how the leaders in the church have responded to social media. And, and never have they, as far as I can tell, never have they told people, 
um, stay away from social media. But what what sense I'm getting just anecdotally is is to use our devices in moderation, um, to go on social media in moderation, and uh, and, and that actually is uh, supported by evidence as well. I, I just brought a study with me today that I was. Uh, just came across it. It was just released last week um, by researchers at Penn State University uh, in the journal Social and Clinical Psychology. And they found um, by looking at usage of devices that uh, the the groups um, of of the students that use the devices for longer than the other students, uh, the ones that use them less, they they felt more lonely and they felt more more depressed. And this was this took took place over three weeks. And then the, the researchers conclude, um, our findings strongly, strongly suggest that limiting social media use to approximately 30 minutes per day may lead to significant improvement in well-being. Mm-hmm. And so well, there's, there's, as long as you have, you can have, you can get, there are good filters out there. Um, there are, there's one I was just reading about this week. Um, it's called router limits. And uh, with this type of filter, you not only can filter and put limits on your computers, you can actually do it on all the devices in your household. It's through the cloud. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are ways to regulate content. But in addition, beyond just filters, it, it also requires a behavioral change too, where people, um, where where our kids and grandkids can, can reduce the amount of time on their devices to have that, um, to be able to step away from them um, it's that it's that kind of endless scrolling that happens mm-hmm. all throughout the day. It becomes a it becomes a muscle memory type thing, and uh, I actually do an exercise like this in my one on one class. I I have my students do a they track all their media usage for four days straight, mm-hmm. and then they take a twenty four hour fast from all devices, from all um, anything that needs to be charged or plugged in. They take a break from, and. Um, and and then I hear what how it went and and afterwards they tell me I experienced more clarity afterwards mm. I felt um, I felt less uh, less pressure less anxiety less stress they they say when I didn't have a device I didn't know what to do so I took a nap and that's great <laughs> mm-hmm. that's <right>. because we <laughs> need we need, need more it. rest yeah, and so uh, so again just being able to doesn't mean you need to throw your device out the window but. But just being able to take some time away from it and spend more time with your families and friends in person can help. I appreciate I appreciate having a leaders of the church today that are are addressing it somewhat. That we have been asked to do a, a social media fast, and of course, I was working with young women when that when the prophet first asked the young women to do that, and we were yes, like yes, yes, this is so good. And then he turns around and does the same thing for the women of the church and. That realization that we we are examples, and we also are struggling at times to get lost on social media. And um, so I I did that, and you know I'm the one that says I I really am not on social media that much. Um, I like to get I have an Instagram account for only my closest family, um, and I miss the pictures but it's a good thing to just step back because i like social media there's good things about it but to step back and realize that maybe i'm getting carried away with this and maybe i can um bring this under more control right and and i appreciate that and i think that that's a good message that no one is immune to the to the influence of social media it doesn't matter your age 
um, often I think we do associate social media with with younger um, people, which is there's truth to that. But uh, increasingly, especially Facebook, um, it has gotten so popular with people of all ages now, and and it does become easy to constantly wonder what's being said on there. What you know? What am I missing? There's a, actually a term for that. Are you familiar with FOMO? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Fear of missing mm-hmm. out. Yeah. This is an actual an actual thing that that afflicts everybody um, when they're away from their devices for too long. What's interesting to me is I've taught for 15 years here uh, and and started again, like I said, before social media was even uh, before it even existed. It seems like particularly recently, within the last two or three years, there's an attention span issue. Even in class, when you're sitting there and you're, you've got a great discussion going on in your classroom, it seems like a quarter of a third of the students are just glued to their screens. The other day, I actually asked at class of 10, uh, we had a great discussion going on, but three students right in front of me all were, hmm. were planted on their computers, and I asked them t- what they're doing and, and tried to kindly ask them to turn them off. And one said, oh, yeah, she put it down, and it's gone. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I love these students. They're wonderful students. But within five minutes, all three of those students, once again, one of them was on the computer. Two, the other two had picked up their phones and were on their phones. And it's like they're almost addicted to having these things going while a class is going on. And like you said, even all ages, you go to dinner out at a restaurant. And half the people there, you've got there instead of talking to each other, one or both are, are on their cell phones, and uh, it's it's kind of a societal problem that we seem to be having. Yeah, and I don't I don't think I don't think that's intentional anymore. Mm-hmm. I think they're so widespread that um, that in many cases people don't even really realize right. that that they're on them so much. And uh, there's a great author who writes about these his name's Nicholas Carr he wrote a book called The Glass Cage and in this book he talks about how our devices are making us dependent they're making us de-skilled meaning mm-hmm. uh, now you know we're so used to letting our phone do things for us we're forgetting how to do it ourselves mm-hmm. and we're also finding ourselves away from the optimal level of of uh, what's the word I'm looking for the optimal level of stimulation so we find ourselves either overstimulated or understimulated, but it's difficult with our dependence on our devices to to find that that great you know golden mean right mm-hmm. between those two extremes, and uh, and part of that is I think that oftentimes when when we're doing something as you know as we used to for many years, but but now we might feel understimulated because we're used to having that to be you know scrolling on our devices, and so we take them out and start doing it without even really realizing it. And, uh, and, 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 and I think, again, I don't think your students in class meant that as any mm-hmm. sort of a front or right. that they were, that you were boring them. It's just, this was their, their go-to. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> the doodling I, of the past, exactly. right? Exactly. It's that <laughs> yeah, equivalent. Yeah. Yeah. I used to, I used to take offense at that, but I don't anymore because like you said, I think some of them don't even realize that that's what's going on and this is what I do, mm-hmm. you know, and like you say, I, I'm sitting in class and I'm doodling you know, that's what we used to do 15, 20 years ago. And now it's just, well, I'm sitting in class and I'm looking at my phone. So um, let me, if I may, just switch and, and we need to wrap up here. But you are a researcher. Researchers obviously try as best they can, or at least they should, 
to look at negatives and positives, you know, to, to, to seek that balance as they're observing right. things. And um, we've talked a lot about the negative impacts and the, the possible harm. The scary thing to some extent is that it's so new that we really haven't yet come to a full understanding of the impacts that'll come with the next 10, 15 years. But um, there are positives out there. Absolutely. What are, what are some of those positives and what can we as parents or grandparents do to maybe guide some of our younger people and even ourselves towards some of the positives as opposed to the negatives? Yeah, well, there's, there's, there's a lot of great content out there. Um, there's a lot of great, uh, going back to the, the teachings of, of the leaders of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, they, again, they, they never said, put your head in the sand and hide from social media. They said, there are many good things you can do with it. You can share good messages with others, things that uplift and, and edify other people. Um, you can also use social media to, um, I mean, it's incredible. I am, I am the furthest away from a handyman. I, I, I'm not handy in any way at my house, but so many times recently I've been able just to go to YouTube and YouTube is incredible. I don't know what inspires these people to make these videos, but they just make all these great videos about how to do work around the house, and it's fantastic. So there are absolutely benefits of these things. Um, so I think that we we can't lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. You know, there there's a lot of benefits of technology, and it's best to try to focus on those benefits. And I think I think maybe what could lead us to to realize what are beneficial and what are detrimental when we use these is what in our technology usage is leading us to help relationships between people and what about our technology usage is helping us to be productive and uh, we can be we can use technology to help us be productive Um, but if if it's if it's leading us to kind of just kill time um, you know and there's been a lot of research about this recently too about how it's good to be bored because when you're bored then that compels you to be creative and to, to, to produce and to create. Um, we can use our technologies to do things like that. And so I think part of it is, what are my priorities? What am I using my device to do? To make something? To, to learn something? Or am I just doing it to whittle away the hours? Just escape. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Those are good, those are good things to remember. Thank you. Well, uh, any other questions you have, Irene, or... Yeah, but we don't have another hour, so <laughs> sorry. Well, we can, we can always bring Scott back. I'm That's sure great. he'd be glad to do that. Yeah, I'd be happy so. to. Yeah. Um, well, we're grateful for you. Do you have anything else you'd like to add? Just any last words or anything like that? Thanks for having me on the show. It's been a real pleasure to be here. Well, thank you for, for being here. We're, we know that you're busy and you have a lot of students to get to and classes and research, etc., and I wish you all the best in your continued research, and I'm sure that we're going to see you much more in places, we hope, anyway, like BYU Education Week uh, or maybe BYU Women's Conference. Do men present at BYU Women's Conference? They I, do. They do. Mm-hmm. And uh, who knows? We may see you there. I think you certainly have a lot to offer in that regard. And, and also thanks to you, Irene, for your co-hosting prowess. Great to be here. Uh, pretty good, good, good opportunity here. And so to you listeners out there, if you like this podcast and the information you've learned, please share it with other Next Nesters you know and love. And uh, also listen to other podcasts we've loaded up. And let's keep these conversations going. So with that, Next Nest out until another day.